astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Hey everyone, it's my evening here. I was having pretty much a great day and then had some banana bread baking in the oven. The kitchen was clean. I was like, I have a moment here where I can meal plan for the rest of the week to an extent, like plan some recipes, go to the grocery store, which is what I'm going to do after this. But I was like, I should actually really publish a podcast episode. It's been a while. I should get in here and record an intro so that I can do that. Um, This particular episode is an interview with Elisa Rude that was maybe around two months ago. So, I mean, I do have a backlog of interviews I need to share with you and also some more interviews to book. Um, But we talked about the crescent phase, which is a technical concept. It's kind of niche. You might know what we're talking about. And there's many levels you can enter this conversation if you want to be as nerdy and niche about it or if you just want to feel into the transmission. Um, But basically... You can connect with the crescent phase, what we're talking about here. It's the like the moon phase where after the new moon, a few days go by and you can start to see a sliver, just a sliver of the moon in the sky. That's the crescent phase. But you can also have the crescent phase between any two planets. So I'll talk about that in a moment. But Aliza and I, in this episode, muse on this niche astrological topic Inspired by the fact that both she and I are in the crescent lunar phase in our progressed charts using secondary progressions at the moment. Um, And if you don't know what secondary progressions are, you haven't gotten into that yet within your astrology practice, don't worry about it. The crescent phase applies in your natal chart wherever you have two planets at an angle between 45 degrees and before 90 degrees. So 45 and after or before 90. You just need to make sure that the slower moving planet of the two is earlier in the zodiac because you can have planets that are within that 45 and 90 degree angle, but they're actually at the very end of the cycle um, and not at the beginning. So again, you can tell if planets are crescent or crescent phase in your chart if they're between 45 and 90 degrees apart. Um, but that the slower moving planet is before it in the, the second planet before it in the zodiac. So some of you might have like if you work with squares in your chart, there's actually many different kinds of squares astrologically. All of this kind of niche nerdy stuff I get into with my students in the evolutionary astrology intensive and beyond and diviner because there's actually a lot of nuance um, that we can tap into. And the deeper you get into astrology, it's like you only need to get into a very tiny detail and it can magnify into a lot of insight. 
kind of like an acupuncture needle that just lights up the whole system. But if we bring it back to the moon, that's kind of the easiest way to connect with the crescent phase because you can see it in the sky every 28 days. So what's the poetry of this little sliver of the moon that's just appeared after we couldn't see anything? We're speaking of that very dynamic, this gelling into form after a new phase begins. It's a psychological dynamic within the crescent phase to develop oneself with minimal external influence. And this doesn't mean like being a hermit or not intaking thoughts or teachings or media or anything of other people, but there's a sense that in the crescent phase, we're really um, grounding something into ourselves and really feeling our own essence. So especially, you know, if you track secondary progressions, that's a day for a year technique and you'll go through a lunar cycle every 28 years in your secondary progress chart. So you'll have like a good, um, a good number of years inside of any lunar phase when you look at your secondary progressions. But thinking about this crescent energy has been like a big part of my inner meditations lately, not just because of the crescent moon that I have in my progress chart, but also that the transiting north node in Aries is moving through my second house. And I've been in a lot of reflections around ownership, what I'm cultivating and what's mine, right? And specifically, as opposed to the eighth house of what's borrowed, um, I'm thinking about the types of qualities that I admire or even envy in other people and how I can actually take ownership of that by developing and cultivating those qualities in myself. Right. I'm thinking about it even in terms of like partnership and the kind of qualities that I desire in a partner and taking a look at myself and being like, how can I like feed and cultivate that part of my life? Right. So that I'm an energetic match for this type of life or this type of partnered life that I'm calling in. It's also in this way lately that I've been learning to recognize my inner child and to hold her directly instead of hoping that life or someone else will. Like I'm actually doing a lot of turning toward myself, doing a lot of like self-inventory in like such a deeper way. Like it's part of this um, cyclical, like deepening into self-discovery and just where I find myself on the map within that is like it's very internal cultivation energy. So this is all sp the spirit of the crescent phase. And Aliza and I talk frequently. Um, she's a good friend of mine. And there was, like, I've been wanting to have her on the podcast more. And we'll be talking. And it's like, this should be a podcast episode. And one of the last times that happened, it was us talking about the crescent phase. And we decided to make a podcast about it. Aliza is a TA for my Evolutionary Astrology Intensive and Diviner. She's also um, begun to teach in Diviner alongside me. Diviner is a new evolution of the intensive. It's a year-long astrology journey that now holds the intensive along with it. Diviner is actually a membership program too. My alumni of the intensive can join Diviner at any time um, and you can also stay as long as you'd like, but it's a year that you originally sign on for. Aliza has been sparking dialogue and community in the class for several years, and it's only natural now that she's teaching 
for us. I can always count on Eliza to bring astute, attuned, poetic perspective to literally anything, and this episode in the Crescent Phase is no different. This episode is on some layers a very niche contemplation of geometry and like the mysticism of geometry, but the conversation itself is fluid, flowing, and circling around the concept in many symbolic or metaphorical ways. So there's many ways to enter into this episode or to relate to it wherever you are in your astrology knowledge. So whether you kind of get into the technical parts with us or you just feel the transmission of it, I invite you to access this episode wherever it lands for you. And for those of you who are ready to really be deeply fluent in soul astrology, to become capable of direct communication with astrology and cosmos, right, where it's not just a skill or a tool, but actually a living practice that you feel inside. Join me in Diviner. This is a year-long journey that welcomes in new cohorts with the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive. The Intensive is a beloved, world-revolutionizing, four-month program that has seen a few hundred students through its doors. The Evolutionary Astrology Intensive is an introduction to the building blocks of evolutionary astrology, its cosmology, the signs, planets, aspects, how to put it all together, how to read a natal chart from the perspective of the soul on a multi-lifetime journey. Then Diviner offers new classes year-round to deepen and expand what we learned in the intensive, as inspired by my last several years teaching Meteorite, an advanced program to my intensive alumni. My classrooms are explorative salons. I support my students in grounding the material personally for them. I model and guide you to live side by side with this craft in a way that expands the magic of your life. We are necessarily skill building and learning the craft of astrology, but my classrooms are so much more than that. I was originally inspired by some of my professors in grad school whose classrooms were my absolute favorite to be a part of a place where conversation was electric and every person got to shine in their own Uranian unique frequency. If you're here, if you've been here and you feel the frequency and transmissions of what I share in this podcast and elsewhere, that energy has some source codes in Diviner. It's an energy of speaking a symbolic language so deeply it becomes a living muse and a guide. You aren't an astrologer just because you have the knowledge though you will be taken care of that way in Diviner. You're an astrologer because you speak directly to the cosmos and the cosmos speaks back to you. And you've been initiated into the language that allows you to understand those messages. You're invited to Diviner to let this powerful spiritual conversation truly touch your life. I also have a few spaces left for people who want to do one-to-one mentorship with me and that can include Diviner. So if you're interested in the mentorship, send me an email, sabrina at monarchastrology.com. And then there is a link in the show notes to apply to Diviner. Keep in mind, we start this next cohort, this next run, October 30th. So do apply soon. I'm getting on calls with people um, and that date is coming up quick. And I'll leave you to this episode now with Aliza Rood about the crescent phase. Hey everyone, I'm here 
with Elisa Rude, who maybe you know from the evolutionary astrology classes. Um, Elisa is an OG and has been TAing for many of my classes and has been a meteorite also. And we are recording, we've been wanting to record episodes for a while. Like every time we talk, I feel like something emerges where it's like, we should, we should make a podcast out of this. But our most recent one um, is the crescent phase. Um, so for those of you listening, the crescent, the any of the phases are most maybe recognizable when we think about the lunar cycle. Like we know the new moon, the first quarter, full moon, etc. But every pair of planets has a phase relationship. And this is a big part of evolutionary astrology um, is getting into the nitty-gritty details of all these different phasal relationships. It's a an added kind of technical thing to geek out on in your chart um, that you might never use at all. But once you get into it, it really adds this level of intricacy. Um, and the crescent phase specifically, whether we're looking at the sun and moon, which Elisa and I are because we're both in the progressed crescent phases um, of our lunar cycle and our progressed charts. Um, but, and maybe we'll explain what progressions are too. We have some technical things to really um, unpack here, but the crescent phase comes right after the new phase. So in the new phase, um, it is just that, like there's a lot of new potential and kind of subjective um, impulse and a sense of being drawn in an entirely new adventure for which we have, you know, we're like a seed and we don't necessarily know how it's going to unfold, but we have the imprint of the fullness inside. And so we're drawn to initiate all of these experiences or open to all these new opportunities. And the crescent phase immediately after it is a more of a contraction that comes after that. The new phase being like an expansion, like a new birth, a new a new project. And in the crescent phase, we really slow down and become more internal. And so for, for all of you listening, if you have any pair of planets, there's some, there's a lot of technical stuff in here. So just bear with us. But if you have a pair of planets between 45 and 90 degrees away from each other, they may be in the crescent phase. You just have to make sure that the first planet that you're tracking is the slower moving planet. So with the sun and moon, it will be the sun. And then you go in the natural direction of the Zodiac, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, et cetera, um, and count the degrees. And if you're in between that 45 and just before 90, you're in the crescent phase. Um, so if you were working with say like Pluto and your moon, Pluto would be the stationary point and you count degrees in the direction of the Zodiac to the moon. Um, there's eight phases. It's not just, um, wait, let me check. It's eight. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, it is eight phases. Um, but yeah, we're, we're focusing on the crescent phase. Um, I'll turn it to you for now, Eliza. Like, how would you describe the crescent phase? Mm, okay. Um, there are, there are a few things that I've been thinking about around the crescent phase. Um, one is just sort of like, um, just by chance, I happened to be re-watching um, this DVD series on embryology. It's like a really in-depth 
embryology study course um, that I had been looking at when I was in school to be a um, biodynamic craniosacral therapist. And in this one stage of embryology, I think it's called neurulation, this stage. It's the formation of the neural tube, so the like the brain and um, spine. And what happens is there's there's this thing called the primitive streak, and then there's this groove, and there's a sort of like the the embryologist who was describing this put his hands together with his wrists together, and then his hands you know fanned out in a V, and he said at this stage there's more growth happening on the outsides of the hands or like on the outsides of this groove. And it's, it's so sort of like fecund and um, delicious on the outside that it grows really fast and it sort of grows over until the two sides come together and meet and form like a tube or they, they form something encapsulated. And for me, it feels like that. It feels like so much is stimulated on the outside in the new phase. I definitely can remember that. And, you know, it's complicated, like the new phase, you know, there, there are these like catchwords phrases for all the phases. And of course, like it applies, but also of course, it's really different for everybody. Um, in the new phase, there's so much outer stimulation. There's an inner refocusing and then there's this outer stimulation and it feels to me going from one to the next into the crescent from the new, like this sort of stimulation becomes a sort of overstimulation that then like encapsulates something inside. So for me, it feels like that, that encapsulation, like turning some things off in the outside world because I can't <laughs> pay too much attention to them. It feels tender in a way, but in a way where I feel feel very focused on what I want to be cultivating and grounding in. And there's a deep sense of purpose. Dane Roger says persistence, like in this phase, and that feels very true for me. Persistence, grounding, and turning off some of the lights in the outside world. Because the, the focus now is like, okay, I have all of this new information. I've had all of these like opening experiences. What am I going to begin to choose and plant and tend? That's what it feels like right now. That's such a beautiful description. And I love this gestational metaphor for it. Um, yeah, the, the new phase is like Aries, right? It's the start. And so there's this willingness to try a bunch of things. And I think there's also the space or there's the encouragement from reality um, because it's like basically creating a lot of seeds um, in terms of our actions and our directions that will, some of them will sprout and many of them won't. So there's this encouragement from reality to do a bunch of things as opposed to maybe other times where we feel like, oh, that's spreading myself thin. It's like reality is actually like moving in that direction of creating all these things. Mm -hmm. um, so both of us had our progressed new moon within the last few years consciously. Yeah. Like you, did you know yours was happening when it did? Mine happened April 6th, um, 2019. So I was in your, I was in a course with you. I was already, yeah, I was already 
deep into astrology. I was already tracking it. I'd been preparing for it. Yeah, mine happened. It must have happened around the same time because we're both in the progressed crescent. Um, I forget the exact day, but I know that I was actually, um, it was a progressed new moon in Taurus. And I, in a very synchronistic, magical way, met this man whose son was at the same degree in Taurus of my progressed new moon. He became my boyfriend for like a couple of months. It's a very short relationship, but he um, was this amazing chef and we like cooked together and just like I rapidly had this like culinary education and that wasn't the only thing happening around then. It's like, there was actually a lot going on in terms of I was in grad school. I was beginning to get into embodiment and learn embodiment. Um, another tourist theme, you know, I was like studying business in new ways. So there was a, a lot happening. Um, but it was just, I think magical that the universe like aligned me with a person who could kind of be a, a marker of that moment. Um, yeah. But by the time we get to the crescent phase, it has more of a Taurus, right? And this could also be first house to second house too. It's like doing all these new things in Aries or in the first house. And then the contraction of Taurus, um, a yin sign of, well, what do I really value? What's mine? What's my energy? What's my essence? And having to do the inner work of, solidifying or consolidating a sense of one's own contribution mm -hmm. as opposed to just borrowing from the external world which is possible to do it's entirely possible to like take on a tradition um and then just kind of carry it and so this was something i think Ari Moshe writes about um in his beginner's guide to evolutionary astrology is like the resistance of the crescent phase is just kind of borrowing from others work as opposed to inventing or, or inhabiting oneself. Yeah. Um, so it had me thinking about kind of like that, like inventing the wheel, you know? And it's like, why invent the wheel if it's already been done, but the psychological necessity. Um, so another, you know, it could show up for like, writers or artists of any kind that um, take some time to peel away from external influence so that they don't mimic yeah. the artistic styles of other artists so that they can in isolation or in that kind of hermit crescent tourist energy like create their own yeah and um, yeah I mean that is such a felt experience um, I think that we've we've been talking about together, both of us, and it's so natural. I didn't decide to, you know, take a break or, you know, look less at social media or be in touch with less friends of mine recently. Or it, these are just things that naturally happen. Some of it is tender. It's not like, I think one thing about the progressed phases or even the natal lunar phase that you're born into that's so important to recognize for astrologers in talking about it is like the nuance of, you know, putting the face together with every single other thing that's happening makes it so exquisitely unique for everyone experiencing it. Like, for instance, I've had two progressed new moons 
my progressed balsamic phases were much easier than my progressed new moons. My progressed new moons had some beginnings, but they had tons of endings. And part of that, I think, is probably because both of my progressed new moons were conjunct malefics, you know, or my progressed new moon that happened when I was 13 was in the 12th house and whole sign. And my progressed new moon that happened in 2019 um, that was conjunct Mars would be in the 12th house in quadrant houses, you know, so it really just depends in these phases, um, all the other things that are happening as well. But in terms of the crescent phase feeling like Taurian or second house, it absolutely does to me right now experiencing it because there has been like not only a cultivation of, you know, talents and resources and um, leaning on myself that has really come into play recently. And I, I came into this phase earlier in the year, um, in the spring, I think. Oh, no, no, sorry. No, I came into the phase last year, about a year ago. Um, and in the spring, my progressed moon moved from Libra to Scorpio. So there's been like that shift as well. Um, what was I going to say? Something about, oh yeah. So the Torian second housiness of the phase um, feels like really undeniable to me. And not only because of those things, but also because I, I've been so extraordinarily focused on the senses. Um, really, really like this, the sensual part of me has really come alive during this phase. And like, even in, in strange ways, I didn't expect, I became really obsessed with this idea, not idea, but this language um, about a year ago, actually, like right as I was entering this phase, my, my partner's friend wrote a book that was just published, Country of the Blind. And it's about his very, very long process of losing his sight that began when he was a teenager. And he wrote an article sometime last year about a new language that's arisen in the deafblind community called protactile. So the language is a language of touch. You know, it's, it's not sign language, like a visual sign language. It's, it's signing with touching the body, you know, people touching each other's bodies, moving while touching, um, several people touching at once. And I became obsessed with this language. I, I've thought about it all the time since then and thought very much about what it would be like to have, you know, one less of the senses that I rely on. I've thought about that so much. I mean, really, truly, like every day I think about that. And um, that just feels extremely Torian to me to, to just be so focused in on the senses in that way. It definitely wow. feels related to the phasal change. I, yeah, I've been also tapping into sensor, like my sensory experience a lot more and specifically also in this context of expanding capacity. Mm -hmm. um, so working with embodiment and my sensuality to open to being able to hold sensations and feeling where my edge is of where I spill out or want to recruit someone to come help me. Um, this also shows up, I mean, this isn't maybe a deeper life theme for me that involves my nodes and Cancer and Capricorn because 
I do feel like the Cancer Capricorn nodal axis is really good at emotional management, um, being an emotional manager, like managing my own emotions. And so I have this process of when I'm going through something, making this kind of executive decision of, am I going to go through this alone because I need to do it? Or am I going to get help? And there's a lot of people that can help me. It's like, I'm surrounded by people that are willing and able to support me and noticing where that becomes like not actually helpful to my development and where it is. And it's really moment to moment. It's not something I can get like dogmatic about, but I feel like I've noticed in this phase, um, in my crescent phase, and just like maybe other things that are going on at the same time that I am playing a lot more with the doing things on my own side because I can see that there's something that I can develop if I work through something on my own, as opposed to if I immediately outsource it. And it's even like the level of like my nervous system being outsourced. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, if I know how to reach out to someone that can like instantly ground me or give me like a magical meditation or give me insight that grounds me and how I'm really blessed to have that. And I'm really grateful for it. And I've started to track that, like my own alchemical moments of being in a spot where I'm just like agitated or want something that there's a lot of different options of how I can move through that experience. For the most part, like I don't really experience these activations as something that I'm not capable of being with or that I feel like scared or that I, you know, something like that. Um, it's more just like, you know, maybe there's some like really tender spot. Like there's like a huge like grief pocket or something. And it's like, how am I going to move with that and express it and be with it? And the crescent phase just seems to be highlighting the gifts of going through those portals by myself. Yeah. Yes. I definitely strongly relate to that. Um, perhaps I'm in some ways, not as practiced as you, <laughs> a, a natal Taurus moon. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's giving myself uh, not enough credit or not, but um, but I think that has definitely been a thing I've been thinking about deeply lately um, and wanting very much. And I had moved away from, I had moved away from um, energy work for a while and like just recently have really desired it to come through again for me in my life and work with it again, just with myself and maybe with my partner for the time being. Um, but it really Isn't it interesting, but like an yeah. energy work practice, I feel like can actually, like you're getting trained by the energy. Mm -hmm. So if you're having a moment of dysregulation or expansion or just like intense sensation, and then you guide it, or work with it or expand inside of it. It's like, that's the education. That's the training. Yeah. To me, that's where I'm noticing this spot. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, maybe I shouldn't outsource this one. Yes, right exactly. Now. Right. It's, yeah. yeah, it's really like, it's more like bearing down, grounding in to oneself with that energetic um, purpose or feeling yeah. that creating that tensile strength, right. That, you know, that resilience, I think 
Yeah, it is like a resilient kind of phase. Um, in the new moon phase, there's a lot of like the same kind of Aries energy of touching out your finger and getting burned and pulling back, you know? And in the crescent phase, it feels like that's happened enough. There's like a real focus on like self-nurturance, like, okay, that hurt. <laughs> Those things didn't feel super great. That was a very buzzy period. And I'm, I'm really wanting to like, um, use the buzziness more like a bee, like, you know, like more like a purposeful, you know, purposeful yeah. use of the buzziness. Um, to do something and to do something that has a little more uh, pattern to it, um, a little less sort of like a whirlwind and a little more patterned, grounding in that pattern. Because as you said, there is the blueprint is already sort of in there. And in order to fully actualize that, we need to be able to like, uh, yeah, just be sort of diligent and in process in a real yeah. way. Yeah. One of the major evolutionary themes of Taurus is self-reliance mm -hmm. and it can have a stubbornness. Like people can be um, self-reliant in ways that's not necessary. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, it's funny. Like I, I'm just getting this flash of a memory of when I was in my freshman year of college and I was having a lot of like off the wall realizations every day. Like <laughs> I had some, like some ideas, like I was really, yeah. But for one, I was like, maybe I should go a whole year and like, not like buy anything or figure out how to not have trash, you know, or like learn how to make my own shoes. <laughs> not a bad idea. But <laughs> Interesting. It's just like, I remember telling that to like having this like idea of like, I should make my own clothes and shoes and whatnot. And my brother <laughs> just reflecting back, like, you know, I, like you have other talents or things you can contribute to society. <laughs> but it was that sense of like, well, you know, I want to be able to like hold it down and have survivalist skills if the world is apocalyptic, you know? Oh, absolutely. Oh God, that's so funny. <laughs> well, I have something to share along this yeah. line. Continue, sorry. But um, that being said, that never came to pass. I do not know how to make shoes. And it's like, I don't think I really have, um, I don't have a ton of survival skills. Um, I do feel like I just haven't got the hit that I'm supposed to like really develop that. I do have like when I'm in moments of crisis, I do feel my instincts come on and I do feel a sharpness about me. And I feel like I, I am resourceful, but I haven't gone into like prep mode and trying to like, you know, so that's not how it's looked for me. But I do think that sometimes there is that edge of self-reliance of um, this kind of obsession or need to do certain things alone that maybe um ultimately come down to this like almost more root chakra survival like fear mm -hmm. type of consciousness um and yeah. you know so it's like where's the line essentially and um why I think I did bring that up for a reason um, that I'm losing track of. So let me just go back to you yeah. what that brought up for you. Well, it just reminded me, it reminded me that um, recently, a couple of months ago, 
we came out our door and um, friends of ours were across the street um, on a porch of our neighbor who we, we don't know these neighbors, but um, they invited us over and they were on like a, almost like a bar crawl, but it was a, um, a neighborhood uh, like Skillshare for the apocalypse where they kept, I think these friends were going to different friends' houses in the neighborhood and sharing skills that they have, more basic skills, you know, which does feel very sort of crescent phase. It's like, what can I do that doesn't require a lot outside of me? So these skills, you know, like cooking skills and building skills. And, you know, I was talking to one of the people there about astrology and um, this person makes tinctures and, you know, these kinds of, of skills. And and everyone was swapping these skills <laughs> just in case <laughs> later shit hits the fan, which, you know, it will. But um, everybody was just pulling together those resources that they had, you know, cultivated for themselves, each person individually. And that was very inspiring to me. I thought that that was so extremely cool. And, um, and definitely have felt that urge too to sort of like get back to simple skills, simple things I know how to do and really just make those um, as rich as possible right now, like, like the craniosacral. Um, like my astrological practice, um, yeah, my writing, these things are, um, you know, they're, they're talents I can cultivate that, you know, we can all cultivate. And, uh, you know, these, these simple things can just be very, very deep and meaningful and extremely powerful, strong, you know, ways to increase our own strength but then they can also be shared with other people. So it's like, it's not entirely, it's not a, it doesn't feel to me like a period of total solitude um, and total retraction, but certainly the emphasis is on the retraction into self. It's funny, like you think about the way the crescent moon is shaped. If you embody that, you know, you're sort of pulling everything toward you, sort of like curving your stomach in and your back out and pulling everything in toward yourself um yeah 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 it's interesting because it is it is really related to the soul path of like where it is that we need to be self-reliant so what I was thinking of before that I forgot was that it's kind of when reality the external imagery and um lessons from life are actually reflecting back the need for more solitude. And this is when um, we have placed, we've outsourced something that we're meant to be developing onto an, another person or a situation. And then the person or the situation stops holding that projection and we're turned back inward on ourselves, which could be subjectively um, really unpleasant <laughs> um, but it could also be, there might also be a part of the self that's like, oh, of course, this makes sense. Like, I can see that I was depending on this external situation for this resource or this thing that I'm actually meant to be cultivating. Mm -hmm. um, and I haven't really, um, I haven't named this or like worked this thread 
out loud, but I'm going to try it now based on the thing we were talking about with like apocalypse. Mm -hmm. I think why I haven't, because I've, I've actually thought about this, like a lot of what I do in my free time or like what I do for my work or what I feel my soul path is involves these things that are not necessarily basic needs. I mean, it's about the soul. It's about the emotional, like psychological wellness. It's, Mm -hmm. um, things that I think are important, but aren't ultimately at the survival level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when I think about peeling my attention and my dedication back from my craft to go learn how to survive in case of apocalypse, it actually doesn't feel resonant to me. And I've thought about it to the degree that like, if shit hit the fan and I'm not that capable of dealing with it, that I would be willing to die. Like it's that, like, I've actually thought about it. Like, I think I would survive. I would be resourceful. I would like work with what was happening. Like I would think on my feet, I would like join with community or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it's not important enough to me to stop like doing my writing or astrology or something to like take that time to like go like figure out how to hunt and gather per se. It's not that I don't value those things, but I've just like, sometimes when I, I meet people that are like really in this frenzy of like, you have to learn this stuff or like, don't you, aren't you worried about collapse? And it's like, I haven't gotten the soul like messaging or like the whisper the message from life to like really stop what I'm doing and like go learn those basic things but I think that's what's so important about the crescent phase is that it's a time where we we begin to understand what it is that we enjoy like we want to cultivate it's so very personal It's not about like, someone said that I should do this thing. I should be prepared for this with this particular. Right. And it's not, you know, Elisa, it's not because I feel unwilling to do difficult things or something. It's just that in these, like, I'm, I'm disciplined and like do things regardless of whether or not I feel like it. But when it comes to crisis, I've often just found like that there's a thread of like, Like I follow my lights and like this like spiritual sense that moves through me and it just hasn't guided me to cultivate those particular things. So that's like one image of how it looks like. But for me, it's like when I'm on the pulse of like where I'm meant to go and I'm like tapped in with my guidance, I feel extremely supported and safe, like existentially and survival sense, but it's a different way of operating So I guess it does come down to, yeah, like values of like what it is that each person is meant to individually cultivate. Right. Which I think is why, you know, the thing that moved me about like seeing these people doing this skill share is that everybody just was bringing their, their value, their skill to the table. It wasn't like everybody had been given the directive to go like learn how to make a fire (laughs) in the woods. Um, it was everyone is interested in something different, inspired, you know, by something different, turned on by something different. And that makes us go work on those things. And sometimes we have to sort of tune out other things in order to really get skilled at something um, and really deepen into our purpose and our feeling of what we care about, our values. Yeah. And then when we do, 
we can show up with all, we can be very valuable, not just to ourselves, but to everyone else in community. Yeah. Um, and that's a really beautiful thing. It would be so boring and so stayed if everybody showed up and they were like, I can make a fire. That's <laughs> the only thing anyone had to offer. Um, yeah, and I think that's why it's just, it's it's a beautiful time period to deepen into what you really deeply feel good doing and creating yeah. and, being, and being. Yeah. And I really, the people that are into these skill sets, I really love. I'm like, it's so cool. I just like don't naturally have that same drive at the moment, at least. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because when I do think about that possibility, I didn't know our conversation was going to go toward like apocalypse, but it kind of makes sense with the crescent themes with like tourist survival, whatnot. But when I think about that scenario and think about what I'm, how I'm participating in it or what I offer, like, I feel like I would be doing astrology or telling stories or something, which don't seem like immediately like survival oriented skills, but it's like, um, they're actually definitely skills that like those, you know, kinds of, you know, groups forming are absolutely. Yeah. Dope. I think even understanding the group mythos and like the storytelling that brings people together and the mythos of like what the community is like, yeah, I, it's really important. Be happy to participate in that. And yeah, that's I've what thought I thought of. Yeah. Like yeah, even in very <laughs> skill and, and very valued, very valued. Yeah. You know, we know. So yeah. In moments of like, being on plant medicine or just like really facing like this aspect of myself, like it, I don't feel like I've lived the type of existence or like cultivated the type of embodiment where I'm like a, like wild woman survivalist. Like I could, you know, like I, I'm bringing something else into reality and there is a vulnerability of that. If I bring it back down to the immediate survival, but for me, it's cultivated other yeah, it's just interesting. Now I'm thinking about Crescent mm. and what's valuable internally and where that plays out at the most survival of levels and where that's the, the creative, right? And just like how intricately linked a person's gifts and like offering to the world are with like all the basic mm -hmm. stuff and trauma and whatever that they've worked through. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's like these different it's not, it's a, It feels like a period of deep authenticity or like coming into coming into authenticity again or returning to authenticity that that just definitely feels like a big theme and experience of the phase it's cutting out the excess i mean you think about the crescent moon in the sky it's just the barest sliver of light like just the just the barest amount of light needed you know it's and the rest yeah. you don't need yet, you know, just like, just the most, not basic on a level of, uh, in the way we think of it in terms of just a, the material world, basic in terms of just like the most sort of the essence of the thing that we have to offer. Yeah, that really, yeah, it's like we don't know what's coming yet. We're just cultivating yeah. our resources. It's and so what's ours to carry. 
And we don't actually know how that's going to serve us in the future. Like I think about the, like every time that we pack for a trip, especially if we, you know, well, no, it's different. You could be packing for a trip where you're going somewhere and you know, there's resources abundantly everywhere, or you're packing for a trip and you're going out to the middle of nowhere and you really have to bring everything you might need. Mm -hmm. And just how ultimately situations come up wherever it is that we travel to, where what we packed comes in handy. And sometimes we don't actually have what we need and we have to think in the moment or, outsource it or something else happens or but yeah we can't ultimately entirely prepare like the Mm -hmm. crescent is just like a it's just the packing and preparation time but the journey is going to reveal something else yeah yeah and it yeah like what you were saying was just reminding me about you know this unique unique feature of the crescent moon is, you know, how we can look up, you know, like a little after sunset and see the crescent moon in the sky. And it has the light, little, the little like fingernail of light. And then the darkened part is illuminated with, I guess it's called earth shine that like that experience of looking into the sky and seeing the crescent moon. And you can see not only the light in the tiny little crescent, but you can also see the outline of the entire moon. The darkened part sort of feels like it has a um, depth, you know, like that it sort of projects like forward that you can sort of feel the spherical nature of it, even though you're not like seeing the lit up full moon, but you're seeing this like lit up darkness in the moon. And that's something I guess only happens in, I think in the waxing crescent only. Um, but that is a really beautiful thing, you know, that like you're not, you're not fully lit up. Everything isn't just bathed in light, but you can see that there is a fullness there already. Already there's a fullness, even though the light is just beginning to increase again. Wow. That really, I think spatially puts in context too, like this very inward focused preparation, who am I, what do I have to offer in the context of the whole of everything of like the whole journey, but it is actually like, it's important not to override this very internal part, because if we do, we, we end up borrowing and we don't cultivate, and there might be consequences of that later down the path. Um, I think that shows up what, I was just going to say, you know, I'm 47. So this is, this is my, this is my second um, crescent moon phase that I can remember really well, you know, because the, the first time I experienced the crescent phase, it began when I was still in high school and then it extended out after that, you know, for a couple of years. Um, And I think about that. I think about how this is my second time of experiencing the the progressed crescent moon and it's a very different um desire and deliberation and um and uh seriousness around you know what am i really trying to get stabilized for myself right now for later because when it, when i was young 
you know, I was just, I was very traumatized. I was, you know, really at loose ends and I was not thinking about stabilizing <laughs> for the long term. There were ways, of course, that I still, I was doing that. Um, but mostly it was not a time where I was really learning how to sort of keep myself going regardless of who was propping me up from the outside where now I can feel that much more strongly coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, my progressed full moon is going to be full in the seventh house of relationships. So right now that I'm in the progressed crescent phase. So that's, that's a while from now that it will be in the seventh and in that full phase. Mine will also. What? Mine will also. Be full in the seventh? Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm thinking about it in context now of like, um, I just went through like a really big, like love addiction detox program taught by Perry Chase. Um, it was like very brilliant program, but it involves like looking at your entire history of all your um, not even just relationships, but even like hookups and crushes, crushes even, you know, so it's like really doing this massive inventory. And one thing that I'm taking away from that is it's basically like looking at, looking at all this material that's actually mine, not the imagery of like, oh, it's this person or, but actually by doing this activity and like going through this program, seeing everything in me that I brought to all of these things and what are my patterns and what are my projections. And it's like very internal in that sense. Um, and yes, there is kind of an inward, like collected quality to it, but it's, um, you know, I do want partnership and like want the real thing. Mm -hmm. And going back and seeing all these patterns, it's just been very sobering, really. And um, it's felt more accurate for me and where I'm at to like parse through these things than to just go out and collect new experiences by dating more people. Mm -hmm. So I will be doing that again soon, I guess, or like being open to relationship and dating in that way. But there's just been this very like internal process that's just one way it's playing out but I do feel it in multiple ways of life yeah I think it's really interesting too like this gets me back to everything everything you know is it's all interconnected and it has to do with your entire chart and the whole progression of your own life and you know the reflection of the chart with your own life experiences but like my, the first time I fell in love, the first time I had sex, the first time I had a boyfriend and the first time I fell in love, those were all during the crescent phase for me. Um, you know, and, and so, yeah, it can show up so differently, like what we're working on. And also it's not as simple as like, right, it's not the yeah, like it's not the survivalist skills. It's not being alone. It's not, it doesn't look any particular way. Yeah, it doesn't look any particular way. I wasn't alone. It was the first, I was actually during my new moons that I felt most alone in my entire life, both of my new moons. Um, my first new moon, my best friend died within the first year of my new moon. There were a lot of new things beginning. I started high school. 
my brother was born. There were all kinds of things that happened that were brand new and um, first experiences, but there were also deep losses during that period and a lot of solitude and a lot of loneliness. And then in the crescent phase, a lot of connection, um, a lot of, yeah, like falling in love was an experience of mine that was also for me in my own personal life and the person who I am, like a very formative life skill lesson for me. I was just wondering, you know, if like that showing up in the crescent, how you relate to that as part of your. It feels like the skill I've worked on most sincerely my entire life is, is related is one-to-one relationship. Um, and certainly like that experience coming through. I mean, I would say in a way that my best friend who, who died, right. She died be, the day before high school started. And I would say she was like my first love, like the first romantic love. It wasn't sexual, but it just felt very heightened in that way where I was so, I was so like alive to life because of our friendship. But the first time that I had like a romantic relationship as such, you know, like my, my first boyfriend um, was also during the crescent phase. And I feel that uh, like, even now, the thing that I'm considering doing that I've been thinking about um, and really wanting to do is to go to grad school to study therapy, you know, and work one-to-one with people talking about deep feelings and, you know, um, ways of connecting and attaching and talking through difficult feelings together and forming bonds <laughs> with someone else that are helpful, that are useful. Um, and that feels like something that I was cultivating in my first crescent phase for the first time, really cultivating with purpose, you know, my first clashes with other people happened during the crescent phase. I didn't have a fight with a friend and I hadn't had a partner yet. Um, until the crescent phase, that was the first time I had a fight. <laughs> that was the first time in my life I had like a fight with someone. And I do think that those kinds of things also show up in the crescent phase because we're having to pick what we care about and what we reject. And that, you know, even before like the, the first quarter phase, which I think gets associated with a lot of those kinds of experiences. I think the crescent phase also has a lot of experiences of like hurt and upset with people we love because we're having to make choices about what our values are and what we're going to keep. Yes. Focus on. Yeah. I kind of, I don't know really the astrology of the progressions or whatnot that was happening, but I was thinking for some reason too, of like Freud and Jung and mm -hmm. them separating mm -hmm. <laughs> where it's like they had like a close kind of student teacher thing but Jung was starting to develop other theories and Freud was not having it and Jung wanted to keep developing it and so they kind of had to like break up or go separate ways and to me that felt like a crescent image um because you know the the spark of the new connection and it, you know, starting to grow and then realizing like, oh, this isn't actually resonant. Mm -hmm. And I think the crescent phase really like Taurus is very selective. Um, it doesn't actually have a ton of space for extra. Like Taurus can be very receptive and like has a holding capacity, 
but there's not a lot of room in the Taurus archetype for things that aren't part of the value set. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily like eclectic and wanting to pick everything mm -hmm. like deeper into Taurus. I feel like it's just like, no, this fits, this doesn't. And, um, yeah, so that also, I think the clashes that you're talking about in the crescent phase makes me wonder too, if even just like conflict resolution or mm -hmm. navigating conflict was a skill that was showing up as mm -hmm. like a resource in that phase for you. Yeah, I was learning about it for the first time, I think, and like trying to take a lot of knowledge in around that learning process. And I would not say that I'm necessarily the most skilled at navigating those things in my one-to-one -one relationships, though I do have a lot of practice with them. And I do have a lot of understanding of myself in that position, in a relationship, doing that um, and self-reflection that comes through the, you know, having lived through the, the entire cycle um, and coming back around to it, new, new focalizing thoughts around that um, and values around becoming more um, just about boundaries and like really knowing my own boundaries and where I begin and end and another person begins and ends. And that does really have to do with feeling your ability to take care of yourself, your ability to nurture yourself, um, value yourself, those things are so important in relationship. Yeah. We talked about that in Meteorite. We talked about this with the second house, seventh house, 12th house. You know, there's like this kind of similar thing, I think, with the crescent phase of the moon and the full moon you know, being in like a full-blooded one-to-one um, -one equal partnership has so much to do with uh, the ways that you're able to stay inside your skin um, in the face of difficult feelings or, you know, people's reactions to you or relationships with other people. Yeah, that really settles and grounds me into what I'm doing right now. And it's interesting. I haven't been worried lately about like the question of if I'll ever find someone or whatnot. Like I used to get very like just had basic anxiety around like the pursuit of the partner and like what if it never happens? And I just don't feel that at all right now. But it's also I feel like this really deep piece and just being in this internal process, but it is in that spirit of like, um, I see it more as this like spiritual, like mirror gateway, basically where like the intimacy that I'm cultivating with myself is prerequisite for the intimacy that I'm seeking. And this time, yeah, it just doesn't feel, I know I've had to go inward before in ways that didn't feel like my choice and it felt like a struggle and it felt full of anguish, but this time, this internal process I'm having is just like very, it just feels correct and like pretty calm. Like it's not, it's not so angsty, you know, but it, I can feel the internal rhythm and like what it wants. And I feel more patient with it this time. Mm, I love that. The spiritual mirror gateway is very evocative. It makes me think of, um, I had told you, I was thinking about uh, The Wizard of Oz in this film, The Green Ray. It makes me think about Yeah, that. I wanted to ask you about that. 
Yeah, I, I just thought it was a just a cute little kind of minor synchronicity that when we decided to talk about this crescent phase that we're both in and our progressed charts, I went looking for, you know, just things that other people had talked about, about the crescent phase, and I found an article by Dana Gerhardt on astro.com about the crescent phase. And she said she compared it to the Wizard of Oz with Dorothy being in Oz. It's like one of your favorite. Which, yeah, I mean, I'm obsessed with the Wizard of Oz. Like, I'm not alone, I know, but I'm, I've been obsessed with that movie since I was really little and taped it on VHS and watched it like every day. But she was talking about the Crescent phase um, and relating it to the Wizard of Oz and being on the Yellow Brick Road with the resources being like, you know, the the Tin Man and the heart, you know, and the, the Scarecrow and the brain and just everyone's sort of like there as a resource. And then looking down the path and seeing the distance, the Emerald City. And I had been already thinking about The Wizard of Oz and this movie, The Green Ray, um, when I was like just initially thinking about the Crescent phase because um, I was thinking about how at the new moon, you know, the, the lit part of the moon is facing completely away from us. We're seeing the dark side of the moon. So I was thinking of the dark side of the moon. And then I was thinking about how that Pink Floyd album and the Wizard of Oz, you know, like for, for so long, people have said, you know, it's like a whole Floyd. like mood board. I love this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> People say if you watch The Wizard of Oz from the first lion's roar of the MGM and you put on Dark Side of the Moon right when that starts, that the entire thing syncs up. And I've done this. I did this, you know, years and years and years ago. We all did this. We'd put this on and we'd watch it together. And there are just these really beautiful and really like mind blowing, like synchronicities. But so I'd been thinking of Dark Side of the Moon. Okay, this is news to me. I've never. <laughs> It's like a commonly known thing but <laughs> I mean I'm a child of the 80s and a teenager of the 90s and this okay. was like a thing that was everybody who was a teenager in the 90s knew about this you put you put the record dark side of the or they put on the cd dark side of the moon and you play the wizard of oz at the same time there are these crazy synchronicities that happen um listening to the songs and watching the film so I just, I knew that because everyone of my generation knows about that. And so I had thought of the dark side of the moon and then I thought of course of the Wizard of Oz. Um, but I'd also strangely thought, I don't know why, I just thought about this other film by Eric Romer, um, this French film from the eighties called The Green Ray. And The Green Ray was a novel by Jules Verne which is where Eric Romer takes, you know, his his Green Ray. It's not the same, but it it references this novel. And the Green Ray is this phenomenon that happens sometimes at sunset, uh, where when the sun is going down, just as it dips below the horizon, there's a green flash on the horizon. And the Green Ray, the film, is about a woman who is really like lost and um, she's wounded and you know a relationship has ended and she's aimless. It feels very balsamic and also very new moon to me. Um, but the, the end of this film has to do with her witnessing the green ray. And it's this moment of sort of 
it's this like buoyant moment for this uh, this person who has been very down in the dumps, um, where she witnesses this phenomenon. And it has a lot of sort of full moon energy because there's a person there who she's sort of falling for and it's a sunset. But it also to me has this sort of spark of the, the like new moon to crescent energy because suddenly all this aimlessness, there's, there's something on the horizon that is witnessed and recognized as a point to move toward. And it just happens to also be around the same moment that the crescent moon is its most visible because it's right after sunset that the crescent moon is the most visible. So I think in that way, it sort of, for some reason had resonated for me, but it also is so, it's such a mirror of the Wizard of Oz energy where Dana Gerhardt is describing the crescent phase as this like looking down the yellow brick road at the Emerald City, you know, these two green lights that are sort of very far off, but they're there, you know, they're there. And now you're just beginning to move toward that particular direction. And that's so crescent, you know, because the new moon is directionless, simply picking up the information. The crescent has a point in sight. And now we're just beginning to make our way towards that point in the distance. It's still in the, in the distance. Wow. No, I'm just like, that was mic drop. Like those images take <laughs> us away. Like I don't even. <laughs> That's cool. I'm glad. Yeah. No, I think it's interesting. The Wizard of Oz has like everything in it. I feel like I can, there's so many different astrological, like you can find, you can symbolically connect it. Like there's something about that film that holds this like infinity inside of it but I love like seeing the crescent phase through that yellow brick road and just being like you have you know they're they're the resources of the story but they're also seeking to become more of themselves mm -hmm. they're like going on this journey to actualize yeah they're each seeking a thing mm -hmm. and I wonder with the crescent phase it's like it doesn't exactly have that sense of completion it's still very close to the beginning of the journey and you have these resources gathered but you're you're still endeavoring to become full or to become the whole of what you are and this is like you're starting you're starting resources um yeah. just seeing like really grounding into the spiritual and personal importance of this phase for people that have this phase by transit or are um have it natally in some regard where it's like if you have it natally and it's something that you just have for your lifetime it doesn't mean you don't experience different parts of the story arc but there is a sense that for those two planets in question your like internal sense of ownership and really cultivating something is highlighted as important and you never know like it it will show things i think there's fruits that it bears in this life but in terms of a multi-lifetime journey um, which can feel a little bit more abstract to people, perhaps if they're not already working with like a reincarnation context, but I just see like a lot of the things that we're working on in this life. Um, if we don't develop them, we just kind of procrastinate them for the next lifetime. <laughs> and so I think part of working with soul level astrology and like reincarnation is actually is getting clear about how to be stewards of this lifetime and its assignment and like 
the timing of things that are unfolding. And so if there is a particular process where it's like crescent in this life, yeah, um, we're going to be challenged to um, create something of our own in that spot instead of ignoring it, wanting to just, you know, borrow what other people have already created for that. Like there will be some level of internal pressure to like begin to form that journey. And as you're saying to that point, to that destination too, that comes from actually assembling those inner resources. Yeah. So well said. I, yeah. I think that's such a great way to speak about it. it. And it makes me think too, I, you know, my, the last person that I was with, who I was with for um, like four or so years uh, is a crescent phase person. But this, this also brings me to like, there are different there are different experiences of the crescent phase too. And there are different aspects that come up in the crescent phase because it starts with the semi-square and then there's the sextile and then it moves into building to the square. The person I was with, it was almost at the square, um, but not quite, you know, so it was still in the crescent phase, but uh, he's he's an artist, but he he's an artist in so many different capacities, a musician and a filmmaker and a writer visual artist um and you know that's got like a kind of swimmy nature to it but it's all pointed at artistry right and he worked harder than like anybody I've ever met I mean he was just so in his own process all the time very social person um lots of friends uh but very very purposeful very much in his craft always really really dedicated what he was making which was very particular um felt very much his creation you know yeah really focused on the the future but but very much in the craft you know very much in the part of yeah that just really brings up the self-esteem dimension of the crescent phase and of Taurus because I think actually there's a dimension of self-esteem that comes through and is cultivated here Mm -hmm. that isn't even it's not about results it's not about arriving anywhere it's just actually about the integrity of being engaged with the process Mm -hmm. and I noticed that like the pleasure of it yeah like whenever I'm destination or results oriented before I've even started the journey, it's very stressful feeling. But when I actually just start to engage, the process gets really big and magical Mm. and it provides exactly what I need in the moment. I think Taurus and like the Crescent can really teach us that. Yeah. Yeah. That felt very Taurian. Yeah. It felt very Taurian to me. It's interesting for me. Oh, my dog's activated (laughs) it's very interesting for me right now I have moved from progressed crescent phase with a Libra moon into Scorpio moon and I'm really feeling like what we've been talking about with this sort of like Taurian overlap of energy with the crescent phase while also overlapped with the Scorpio part of my crescent phase journey and um and like I've shared before in class with you that I have like a very felt sense of Taurus and Scorpio as both being like really really in the moment but in these very different felt sense ways where Taurus is very much like you know 
the in the meadow kind of experience of like, ah, this is so like, I have everything I need, which, you know, we always hear about like that, that feeling about Taurus, like, I have everything that I need, that relaxed feeling of being in the present moment where you can feel like the air on your skin and you're like smelling the nice smells outside and you know, you feel your body on the ground and it feels, it feels nice. It feels easeful. And then there's like the Scorpio part, which feels very heightened senses, heightened awareness in a more, maybe in a more kind of dangerous way where you're like walking a tightrope and you have to have every sense exquisitely at your disposal so that nothing happens. Like you don't fall off. There's like a tension in that kind of a presence. And I think that I feel both of those things at the moment, but it feels very present. It feels very much in this particular moment is I guess what I'm getting at. It's not, um, I have my eyes on future arrivals, but I'm very invested in like what I'm doing today about those things and like what I'm what is bringing me pleasure and what is like making me really attentive and focused like to the mystery of what I don't know yet right now right now not later you know just really in this time and in my body in a way that is um I'm I'm more aware of myself being myself lately than I had been for quite a while. I feel myself come back into myself more often. And that feels really good every time it happens. That's so beautiful. I love that evocation of that. Um, and that also feels like a very unique take on the Scorpio moon experience. And I appreciate that too, because that sounds very that sounds very lived, not like something you'd find in a book, right? And that is the purpose of the crescent. Yeah. I also think that Scorpio moon is one of those placements that has definitely, it's like biases of something you might read about it yeah. in a book, but the way you described it sounded completely independent of that particular kind of conditioning. Very into the mystery. I think certainly something I'm feeling I'm cultivating right now is how can I lend my skills to creating something that feels very um, playful and mysterious out in the world? Like I was part of a game in San Francisco. It was the second iteration of this big game experience. And there's like something around that that seems to be bubbling up again. And I was talking to my partner yesterday as we were walking saying, what could, what kind of skill might I lend to that? Like, maybe I could do something with that experience. Maybe I could like, you know, be involved in it. What could my skill be? And then I was trying to explain, I just want to be involved in something that feels like it takes a lot of effort. Like I want that feeling of pushing at something and it pushing back on me that can feel really, really um, satisfying and also comforting to a lot of people like especially people who have sensory processing issues like probably me <laughs> um but i was thinking about the desire to be so good at something that i could 
lend it to a wider experience of creating mystery in the world for other people. And that feels very much like a Taurus Scorpio and Crescent Moon kind of vibe. Like, I want to be really skilled at this and do this thing that is like really like pleasurable and present, but also kind of is pulling the top layer off of reality and exposing something much more mysterious and um, interesting mm. for people to experience and enjoy. I love how you're thinking about your phase. Um, <laughs> I want my phase. Yeah, I'm so my progressed sun is in Taurus and progressed moon is in Cancer. Mm. And I feel like it is this simple thing around just like feeling myself. Like if I make, you know, it's like it's that simple, but it's really just like um what I realized some like a little bit ago. I was having this feeling of just being like really uninterested and unanimated. And it was really kind of scaring me. I was like, I don't know what's happening to me, you know, because I rely on my enthusiasm to move, you know, it's like part of what inspires me in directions. And so this like uninterested, kind of almost like catatonic, I was like, I don't, you know, know what this is. And what revealed itself was um, that there was like some internal level of neglect in terms of like my like inner child or like parts of me that just like I was overriding and that like the time was up on like I can't override them anymore. And so I started to get more intimate with my um, like things that I normally brush over in favor of being kind of on my track and productive and like engaged and interested in the world. So like just kind of going into the like shadow realm of like, what's this kind of stuck, you know, Taurus, like unprocessed thing. Um, and inside of that, it started to open up pockets of energy. And then when those, that energy comes back online, I get to choose how to hold it or how to spend it. Um, but I've also, um, yeah, just come into, come into learning about the value of feeling things all the way through, mm. um, that that's actually what their emotions are meant to do. They're not meant to stay stuck. And that a lot of my, um, mid to late twenties, I, well, I had some really difficult experiences in my early 20s, some of which I alchemized and some that I didn't really know how to. And my coping strategy for whatever I couldn't resolve was just to compartmentalize it and work on having an excellent life, like work on being successful, work on developing my talents. Like, and I had the energy for that. And by the time my Saturn return came, uh, my business had gotten to a successful place. Um, and I felt stable, like I wasn't trying to like get it off the ground, but inside of that, it actually resulted in me unraveling a lot, um, you know, Saturn in the 12th house too. Mm -hmm. And so essentially like, it's just been this process. It's been very messy feeling at times. Um, and yeah, it's just like going in and learning how to let processes happen fully and how to be basically 
more um, integrated with myself. And it kind of is like the image I feel like of a kid that's like kind of acting out and just being like, you know, quiet down, like just go play or like go do something by yourself. Um, which is, you know, as a kid, I was very, I didn't make a lot of trouble and I could easily entertain myself. So I do think that that's kind of where, you know, it's a Taurus moon. I have that natally where it's like, I can be emotionally self-sufficient. So I think it's just been talking to her and like, actually, you know, she's pretty shielded in some sense. She's kind of fine doing her own thing, but just like integrating her and bringing her along. And that's all very like, you know, inner child work is like deep psychological, spiritual healing, right? So like that kind of um, doing that in the phase of the crescent context is also just um, finding ways to do that for myself instead of trying to get the world or another person to do it um, so that I can be more embodied in my like adult or woman as opposed to the like that kind of child energy. So that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Alchemizing those emotions, those emotional things that we like have left over. We both have fixed moons natally. We have very different phases. You're you're a natal new moon, is that right? Yeah. I'm a full moon, but we both have fixed moons. And I do think that also for fixed moons that, you know, going back to those compartmentalized feelings, experiences and places in our body, because of course we do really actually carry them and um, really doing work to release them is so important for everyone, but certainly people who have fixed moons, I think it's really important. Um, and yeah, and I relate to some of what you were saying in the way that like, I have a, a needle Aquarius moon, very social moon, and it rules my 11th house, which is also social, you know, and I'm so, I am a Virgo rising, but I am deeply influenced by others and always aware of others and what others value, what others um, care about. And sometimes it's very hard for me to, to know like where that begins and ends with me, you know, and have the, the sort of moon container around um, my Aquarian experience, which is so much focused on the group, you know, and everyone out there, society and friends, my friends, I'm, I'm very focused on what do my friends care about? What do my friends value? I can lose my own values in there if I'm not careful because I'm very attuned to what others value. So yeah, it's a really, it's a deeply um, centering period of time to go through the crescent um, I'm finding in my felt experience. It's deeply centering because um, if something on the outside is challenging for me now to the degree that it's really destabilizing me, where I would very often before sort of override my own need for a feeling of inner stability, to continue to pursue, you know, getting even on the outside. I mean, not getting even, getting getting even with the, like on the same ground as everybody else. Now I'm having to simply, I'm having to detach and I'm having to um, let those things or, or people go at the moment 
because it's feeling very necessary to feel steady right now. Steadiness is, is the goal over everything. Slowing down is a deep goal right now. Getting back into a meditative practice, doing things that support slowness, um, you know, Xing out of tabs on my computer <laughs> that always has like 50 tabs open, continuing a process until it's done instead of getting sidetracked by something, which is a very sort of new moony kind of feeling, like following every impulse down a new pathway, um, sticking with a thought to its conclusion or just, you know, longer. <laughs> Those kinds of things have felt deeply important and um, and satisfying. I feel that. Yeah, mm -hmm. the slowing down part and not overriding is a really big spot that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, yeah, it's in spirit of of moving at a true pace and actually peeling back and unwinding the overriding patterns, which lead to inauthentic or ungrounded situations or places where then I feel very carried away. And it's like, wait, how did I get here? And it's like, well, all these different places of overriding. And so to undo that pattern and be more present feels really, you know, like it's attuning to self, but then making that ground for a more attuned connection to yeah, absolutely yeah I think about how I can't remember where recently you were talking about this but you know that fawn response like I have a I have like a very ingrained fawning response and I I'm really like um in a period of like you know a lot of sort of um compassion for myself around where that comes from I used to be very hard on myself around that um you should stand your ground more and you, but now I feel very compassionate for where that comes from. I'm very in touch with where that comes from in this particular moment of my life. And, but feeling very much that I, I need the self-compassion in order to be able to let go of that pattern and move forward with more um, outer um, integrity, you know, more feeling of my inner self is showing up in a more um, clear vision of what that is inside of me, not hazy. Definitely, yeah. But I also wanted to say, I was just thinking about this too, and um, I don't know why it came in at this moment, and I can't really know what to connect it to, but I was thinking about this particular thing connected to crescent phase out in the greater world, um, which I just wanna share, because I think it's really cool. Um, but recently I've been writing about, uh, this group of hackers in the seventies in Berkeley, California. Um, and the reason that I was thinking about them is I was trying to remember this thing, um, that had been around when I was young and, um, I couldn't remember what it was called. And I, it's not the first version of of this that I'm about to describe. It's something that was a later version of this. But when I was younger, there was a record store called Leopold's. And um, in the 70s, there were a group of hardware hackers uh, before personal computers, you know, and obviously way before the internet. There were these um, just activists who lived in Berkeley who were uh, 
just really adept with computers and they were hackers and they were part of something in San Francisco called Resource One, which was just sort of like a, a community. And then in Berkeley, they were working on what some people call like the first internet, which was this computer station that they built and they placed outside of this record store, Leopold's. And it was basically like a sort of, um, like a like a first Craigslist um, or a first internet community where people could come and there's this like wonky, huge, you know, old school computer and um, and you could like ask a question on it or leave some, you know, information on it for a particular person or for everyone. And um, then other people would come to the station whenever they come and they could check it, they could respond, they could put their own questions into it. And it was, it's known as like the first internet, like this group of people created because their dream was that everyone would have access to personal computers and to free information. They just wanted that to be very equal access, but their first, but the first thing that they did was they had to like make this small version of it and implant it, which feels very crescent. You know, this wasn't, this wasn't the internet as we know it, you know, Aquarian and sort of like spatial and airy. This was like a, you know, an, an object, like a heavy object that they placed in one spot for everyone to come to and access. But I was just thinking about, you know, if these people had been so focused on the internet, like, and not actually made this particular you know, clunky object, they would not be part of this history that we know about the internet. They had to make this first attempt. They had to like ground into their process and get really like serious about creating something with this hardware that they knew how to hack. And then like making the object, this small step forward toward, you know, what we now know as the internet. I just think that's a cool like example in the real world. To me, that speaks very much to the crescent phase. Hmm. Yeah, I feel that like the, it's important to engage mm-hmm. and like not override, not like wait till we're like more ready or something. It's like, it is the readying mm-hmm. you know, in the crescent. So Aliza, yeah. how can people connect with you and work with you right now? <laughs> um, well, I'm... I took my website down. I'm going to change the name of my um, astrology business. And um, that is, so at the moment, that's not available. I will give you the link to schedule with me and maybe you can put it in the show notes. Um, And then I'll have just a private Instagram. It's vertigo underscore opera. It's just my personal Instagram. Sometimes I share some astrological thoughts on there I'm pretty Aliza's um, like a hidden gem gem (laughs) I'm old I'm 47 (laughs) um but yes I will give you the link to schedule with me if if people are interested and also you can take Sabrina's classes because I am the teacher's assistant so if you want to work with me as well you can enroll with Sabrina oh thanks Aliza yeah I have Aliza um in these classes because you're amazing and you have this beautiful way of bringing people together and you always have like beautiful poetic insights about everything like the crescent moon here or the Taurus Scorpio axis or literally any part of astrology so 
Sabrina, that's yeah. so sweet. Thank you so much um, you. for musing with me about the crescent. Yeah, we'll be in, I'm sure we'll be in touch about it throughout. Thank you, Sabrina. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you.